Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why?
Free to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. I know who needs a sermon now, right? Um, I, I wanted to show that clip because we have almost the exact same scenario happen in the book of Acts. Um, but, but more so, the question is, because I know I have, if you've ever related to that guy and been paralyzed, maybe not physically, right? Maybe not physically. Some are, but, but paralyzed in a circumstance. Because that's really what it's about, right? The, the circumstance where, uh, and I know I've had, maybe not exact words, but it's like the Lord speak to me over the years. How many times? Jamie, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be well? Do you really trust me in that? Right? You're, or, or are you continually just turning to things that have never worked before? Right? If I'm just smarter, if I'm just stronger, if I'm just, and if this person wouldn't get in my way, or if this, like all those excuses he has, we come up with them, don't we? And yet he still looks, the question still remains, do you really want to be healed? See, the, 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 we're going to see, because if you're like me, and I've heard I've had many conversations like this, it's like, if I just had Jesus like he did, like right here, sitting here, and Jamie could sit down because he could stand up, right? If, if I could touch him, if I could listen to him, hear him, right? It's almost like we think that, that, that when he ascended, he took all of his power with him. That's not what happened, is it? Through his spirit, we still have the power of Christ. We're going to see Peter say almost the exact same thing to somebody in our passage today. Get up, pick up your bed right? But Peter's not going to heal him by the power of Peter, the power of the apostles, the power of the church, the power. He's going to heal him by the power of Jesus Christ, still available today, right? And that whole word is by the power of Christ. Arise, get up. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you, and Lord, I, I thank you for just this opportunity to continue worship. I've had the opportunity to sing and pray and celebrate the Lord's Supper, and your word is true, and I, I just know, you know intimately what is in this room and joining us online, and, and just, you know better than we know our struggles and sorrows and where we're not trusting you, Lord. Father, I pray whether it's for the first time or the countless times we come face to face with you are the Lord of life. You, Jesus, and you alone have the power over the grave and the power of the sorrows of this world. And so, Lord, that we would look upon you and be healed. And so, Lord, we give this time, this whole time to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so we um, are kind of in another little bit of a transitional spot in the book of Acts. So if you want, uh, we'll put it on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, it's Acts 9. We're going to start in verse 31. Um, basically where we left off last week. That's what we were doing in this series, right? And, and um, uh, also, so you can use your Bibles if you brought them or use a pew Bible if you want or just stare at the screen if you want that too. If you don't own a Bible or know someone who doesn't, one of those black Bibles somewhere around you in front of you, um, please take that. We would love for that to be a, a gift. 
okay? Um, what we have in verse 31 is another one of Luke's uh, summary statements. And if you've been with it, us in Acts, he loves those, right? They're kind of like, big, where, wherever it is, a big picture sort of statement of how the church is growing. I mean, we had this impossible gospel mission that Jesus gave before he ascended, 150-ish people, right? That, that they take this message to the ends of the earth, right? It's like, come on, that's impossible. And right before our eyes, we're seeing this being made possible, right? We're seeing the church pop up in Samaria and Judea, and now we're starting to see it go to even Gentiles. Like to you and I, that's no big deal. To them, that was like, right? And so you see this uh, comes right after we just, if you're watching a play, Saul, the chief persecutor of the church, we saw him uh, come to Christ, right? So now he's turned and he's on the good team. And, and, and so there's going to be this peace that settles because of that. And he's going to usher off stage. He'll come back, right, to be the, kind of the, the main character in a few chapters. But for now, he's going to go off stage, and, and Peter's going to come back on, and you're going to see the Lord use Peter to start bringing it to the Gentiles. And so first, Luke gives us this summary. In this time of peace, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And it was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And so there's that, like they're, they're seeing growth in this time of peace. And, and uh, so, so you see growth in two ways. In numbers, all these people are popping up, coming to Christ, but also in godliness. They're, they're living their lives in reverence and fear and worship to Christ. I love how, how it, he, he uses the term comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We forget that. One of the names of God, the Holy Spirit, is comforter. If you need comfort for whatever's going on in your life, don't, don't forget to ask God. He'll comfort you. That's who he is. And so you see this. They're being comforted, they're, they're, right? But, but notice how this church is still singular. It multiplied. Like, this isn't just the church of Jerusalem where most people knew each other anymore. Now they're popping up all over the place, and, and, and so people are coming to Christ. They've never even met some of these people in Jerusalem, and yet it's an it. It's a one. It's a singular church. You're either part of it, and a family of God, or you are not. That's the case today, right? We have brothers and sisters that are in Africa, Russia, China, all over the world that you probably have never or this life will never meet, right? But they're still part of the same church as you. Local bodies, yes, celebrate in very different ways, different types of languages and styles and music and all of that. But in the end, we all stand upon the blood of Jesus Christ. And so one church, and it's popping up all over the place. And in this time of peace, Peter says, man, I got I, I to go meet some of these people and make sure. I get, imagine you're an apostle and you're like, man, I, I don't, like, I'm supposed to be kind of leading this charge. I don't even know these people, right? I don't even know this town, right? So, so we're going to see now Peter, as he comes back on stage, he, he starts visiting. He says, when, uh, Luke tells us, when Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Leda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed, right? So similar, except not paralyzed as long time as the guy we saw in the, next to the pool, right? Eight years. And so we're told that he goes and he's just in, in Lida and, and he's visiting a church there. That's where all the saints are there. And there's this guy who's probably on a very similar mat that we saw. And he finds out, for, we're not sure why he's been paralyzed for eight years, 
And, and we don't even know if he's a Christian. Most assume he is because he's with the church. It could just be, hey, they're very charitable. We don't know, okay? We're not told because the next person that Peter meets, Tabitha, we're told she's a believer. And yet he meets this guy, and you got to remember, if even in today in our society, if you are paralyzed, like that's hard. All things we take for granted in life, you can't. That makes life really hard. But we have services. We have help in their culture. You are dependent on family or charity. A lot of people would have thought you deserve it. Maybe God is punishing you for something. You didn't just deal with the physical issues. You had to deal with all of the other stuff that came with it. And then Peter comes upon him, right? And he sees him. And and he's got to be thinking back all the times that Jesus has healed. Even Peter has at this point. But but all of those times that that he's witnessed it. And so it says, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Leda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. You know, I was reading Chuck Swindoll, pastor, author. He said, man, that's powerful. One time he said, get up and make your bed, and he did it. How many parents? Thousands of times. (laughs) You tell your kids, my wife tells me, and I still say, what's the point? i got to get back into it tonight, right? Anyone use that line, or is that just me? Okay. Uh, and, and, and so this is almost the exact same thing we saw the, that Jesus said, right? Peter's using the same terminology, except he's not saying, Aeneas, by my power and my authority as the apostle or as this or that. He's saying, by the power of Jesus Christ, rise. And we're going to see that word throughout this passage. It's the same word that often in the New Testament is used in conjunction with the resurrection of Christ. The power of Christ, even over the grave, is the power that Peter says, get up and pick up your bed and walk. All right? So, so this uh, uh, miracle just causes all of these residents of Lydda and Sharon, the, the surrounding towns, they, they see him. They see the story of this guy, and they, they turn to the Lord. I love that, right? That's a, that's a, a, a phrase that means I turn away from my, the world and the, in my sin and shame, and I turn toward the Lord because of the story of this paralyzed man, Aeneas. Um, and so you, you, you just have this outbreaking again of this mission. And so Peter's got to be enjoying this, right? But, but uh, Luke, he, he changes the scene to about 10 to 11 miles northwest to another town not far away. Now there was in Joppa a disciple, and her name was Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and she died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. So this town about 10 or 11 miles away, right, you have this beloved woman of the church. And um, so he gives two names. One is the Aramaic name she probably went by, but the other is for Luke's Greek readers is the Greek translation of that name. I mean, there might even be someone in the room named Tabitha. Or maybe you've known a Tabitha. It's a beautiful name, right? Any Dorcas is here. I'm I'm just wondering. If you are named Dorcas, it probably wasn't your parents who named you that. It was probably school or something like that that you got that, right? 
And so uh, I recommend you name your daughter Tabitha. It's a beautiful legacy. Maybe not so much Dorcas, all right? Stay with the Aramaic. Uh, but both names, by the way, they mean something. They mean that's why you would, parents would name their, their daughter. It meant gazelle, which might be weird to us, but it's like full of life and, and graciousness and gentleness and beauty, right? You'd name your daughter this, this and, and she lived up to it. Not only was she, pro, you know, maybe, I don't know if, how physically beautiful she was, but her soul, her spirit was beautiful. She was probably a woman with means, and we're going to find out later that she so helped the poor in the church. She made garments for, for widows, and, and she was just so loved. And I don't know what age she was, but I have a feeling she wasn't super old because this just shook the church. She just got sick and died. This woman? Are you kidding me? So they, they wash her, which is very normal, but the next step would be to bury her. Um, and, and they don't do that, right? They put her in an upper room and lay her there. And instead, they're going to send, because they, they know, they've heard, that the big man Peter is somewhere close, right? Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, they sent two men to him urging him, please come to us without delay. I don't know about you, I ask questions like, why did they do that? Like, why did they call for Peter? I mean, she's dead. Was it just kind of like what we might do today with a pastoral call? I mean, I get a lot of those, right? Like, like so-and-so's either just died or, 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 or she is dying, right? So you go and you pray with the person, you pray with the family who's, who's grieving and hurting. Yeah, so maybe they're like, hey, who better to come than then Peter, let's call him to pray for us. Maybe, maybe also they actually believed that, 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 that man, power through Peter could raise her to life. They never say. They just do this awesome thing. Peter, come. We'll just see what God does through Peter. But we're not bearing her just in case. We're going to leave her in this upper room. And so Peter, I, I want you to really picture this scene is very um, dramatic. It's, it's a difficult room to be in. I don't know if you've had the opportunity, you probably have, especially if you're a little bit older, to be in a room full of such grief and sadness and sorrow. I've been in many, and, and it's where the rawness of life takes over, right? You can't hide in rooms like this. So Peter rose and he went with them. So when he arrived, they took him to that upper room. So Peter goes in, he looks around. All the widows stood beside him, weeping. That translation actually means to sob. It's not, <laughs> no. It's that gut-wrenching, you know what I mean, right? <sighs> like you can't breathe because you're so upset. And while they're doing that, they're showing Peter the tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Like they're like, look, why would God let her die, Peter? They're, they're weeping and they're sobbing and there's no way even big, bad, tough Peter wasn't affected by this, right? He's looking around. Maybe he's thinking about all those rooms he was with Jesus in. Maybe at the, at the tomb of Lazarus, when Jesus himself, it says he sobbed at the loss and sorrow of death. I'm, I'm pretty sure, because we're going to see very similar language, he did remember a room that he was with Jesus when a 12-year-old girl died. You remember that one? And, and, and what happened was they go in, and the parents are there, and people are sobbing, and this child, I mean, is there anything worse than that? And Jesus put everyone out of the room and he looked at this little girl and he said, Talitha, th, th, kunin, rise. Right? He said, and she rose. And I point that out because wait till you see what Peter says. It's very, very similar. Watch. But Peter, 
put them all outside. When you're not sure what to do, just do what Jesus did, I guess, right? All that sobbing, I can't think, right? So get out. And he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, Kunin, arise. Talitha, Tabitha, arise. It wasn't lost on Peter. Just like the paralyzed man's very similar to the pool uh, beside of that guy, this is very similar to that 12-year-old daughter, uh, girl who had died and Jesus raised. And, and so I want you to picture it. He puts everyone out, and he looks, and he's left there, and he's got Tabitha uh, just laying there, washed up, ready, ready for burial, and, and he's got sobbing people outside. And, and, and big bad Peter, right, the apostle, the guy, what does he do? He literally gets on his knees. And I just picture Tabitha laying there. And it says he prays. doesn't say what he prays. It just says he prays. Maybe he's praying like I've done many times. Lord, give me the words to say. These people are hurting and I don't know what to do or to say. Would you give them, you know, all of that. Maybe he's praying that at some point. You know, he's Peter. He's saying, Lord, if it be your will, by the power of Christ, would you give her life? And we're not, so, we're not told how the Lord gave him the answer, but he was confident. He stood up and he just looked at this dead woman and he says, Tabitha, rise. By the power of Christ who has the power over the grave, get up. Get up. And then there's this, this beautiful scene. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand, and he sits all over that, raised her up, and then calling to the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Imagine if you're one of those widows, you're out there, I don't know what Peter's doing, but we need to be, you know, and then he goes, all right, come on back in, and you go in, and he's like, tears to joy, right? Death to life sorrow to worship, like, like just the turnaround all by the power of Christ. And because of that, it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Think about that. The story of this woman, Tabitha, now many turned to the Lord Jesus. But here's what that also means. Some didn't. Some, and, and, and I hope not, but you might be in the midst of that, some will come face to face with the power of Christ all your life and still say no. But many, many turned in faith to believe in the Lord. Not just the Lord over the paralyzed, right, and making, healing them. We're talking about the Lord over the grave himself. Right? And so uh, the, 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 the last verse of this is, is he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. And that sets up next week where, where he's going to say, a tanner is kind of unclean. They deal with animals, so they're on the fringes. And Peter decides to stay there, and he's going to have a visit to a man named Cornelius next week, which will change everything for them. But that's next week. But when I, when I thought of just, just really one thing about these two incidents with Peter, it's just that phrase, by the power of Christ, arise. We are seeing so many people, and we still see it today, how many people turn to the Lord and everything changes. They rise up out of the ashes of sin and death, and they receive life, and everything changes. Why? How does God use us? 
the same way he did then, their story. They saw the story of Aeneas. They saw the story of Tabitha. And they saw what God did and they came face to face with it. And I just want to tell you, if you're in Christ here this morning, you have a story. All right, were you paralyzed and now not? Probably not, maybe, but probably not. Were you dead and now alive? Well, yes, maybe not physically, but you have a story of who you were, who you are, where you were, where you are. Why are we so afraid sometimes to share that story? We'll, st- we'll share all kinds of stories that people don't care about about our lives. But that one is the most important, most eventful, most amazing story of our lives. The fact that I, Jamie, was dead and now I'm alive. Right, when I was in college and I, and I went to that conference uh, with, with thousands of college students there for missions, I didn't even know what a mission meant. I had no idea. I knew what a mission meant. I didn't know what missions meant. I had no business being there. I, I, I thought I believed in God. I, and I've told you this before, I hated the gospel. I didn't use those words then, but I thought it was too exclusive. How dare you only preach it, only Jesus. I think that's ridiculous, right? And so I entered that place with a hard, calloused, stupid heart. No interest in the gospel. And it's there that Christ met me and said, do you want to be healed? Not in those words. Face to face, look to me. It's true. And everything changed. That's my story. You have, some of you have way more profound story than me. Freedom from sickness, freedom from addiction, freedom from, from a restored marriage, like, like just all, where you were and who you are, you have a story. Right? Be ready to share. I'm not saying run to the grocery store and say, I have a story, everybody. I'm not saying do that. Try it if you want. God leads you, right? But when someone asks you, how did you get through that in your life? Tell your story. Don't be like, well, you know. Tell them. It's Christ that got you through it. When they say, why do you go to church? Tell them your story. Why do you pray before you eat? You know, tell them your story. Why, why do you, you know, fill in a button? Tell them. People love stories. They love hearing about the power of Christ. We get so worried, like, I gotta take an evangelism course, I gotta learn the Romans road, I gotta memorize, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, and we get frozen in place. And I'm not saying those aren't all good and have their place, but man, it starts with your story. What Christ and the power of Christ that has had you rise from the ashes. That's the story that God uses to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because it's the power of Christ in individual lives that he's done that. What is that power? And I don't usually do this, and I'm not going to stay here long. But I, I just really, because sometimes we say that, you know, the power, power, power. But, but uh, I, I, there's many places I could bring you. But I really want to show you what Paul, how Paul describes it someday to uh, the church in Colossae. He says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, right? All things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Everything. There's not just a few little churchy things that Jesus is over. Everything. Whether you are a king and you think you rule the world, you're under Jesus. Whether you are a a, a demon or an angel or some spirit, you are under Jesus. Everything is through him, for him, and under him. That's the power of Christ. Right? He, He says in verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
My favorite is in this. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. You know what that means? First, above all, chief, nothing above. Like he is preeminent. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't have control over and power over. Even when you think everything is out of control, he's in control. He's on his throne. That's the power of Christ to which you rise. That is who we trust, right? He says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, by the power of Christ arise. You see, when we see Tabitha rise physically from the dead, that reminds us in the Old Testament sometimes that happens. Specifically, remember Elijah the prophet and his protege Elisha. When they rose people from the dead, they didn't even realize this was happening, but they were pointing to the future, the power of God over the grave, the power of God's grace and mercy over the grave. And then Jesus raising people from the dead, showing that I have the power over the grave. And now Peter, through the power of Christ, raising Tabitha, that it is the power of Christ, that we do not need to fear death. We do not need to fear the grave. For the grave is open and the grave is empty. And because Jesus rose, so can you. That's the point. Right, that, that, that the power of the gospel is. So there's this idea, and you've maybe, heard, maybe even believe this one, that, that, that I can waltz into heaven someday because God's just kind and he'll just let me in. It's preposterous. That would make him not God and not just and not good. Sin has to be dealt with. It would be ridiculous if Jesus came and died on a gruesome cross to make a way. But there's plenty of other ways, so give it a chance. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I understand, maybe you resonate with my story. Maybe the gospel drives you crazy. It doesn't seem right. It's too exclusive. Well, at least there is a way where there was no way. You see, if you don't trust Christ as Savior, you will not rise. If you don't put yourself under the authority of the power of Christ and the authority of he who is preeminent, you will not rise. I know that's unpopular, and I do not care. It's true. And you need to hear it, maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time, that by the power of Jesus who has authority over the grave itself, you can rise. You do not need to fear death and all the sorrows that it comes with because of Jesus. And so maybe that's you. Maybe for the rest of this time, you just need to be praying about that. God, open the eyes of your life to faith, to turn to the Lord, just as they did in Leda and Joppa. But when I think about, I don't want to leave you without also reminding you that the power of Christ healed that paralyzed man. And I think for me what that represents is that, 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 that the power of Christ is over not just the empty, the, the, the tomb and death, but it's over the sorrows of this world as well. Any Christians here still have sorrows? Anybody? I do. I have things right now. I wish this wasn't the case, but it is. Things right now that I, I pray for, and, and if I'm going to be honest, there's many times where I'm like, it's not going to happen. I'm not proud of that. I wish I could stand here as your pastor and say, I always have 100% faith. But there's some sorrows, man, that come from the brokenness of this world that just you feel like you're lost in an ocean without a lifeboat, right? And sometimes you're afraid to admit it. 
Because you think, right, like you think, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to always be happy and everything's right. Listen, if you, and I, I know you don't mean to do this, but if you tell people that they should never have problems because they're a Christian, please stop. That's not biblical, and it damages their soul. Like one of my favorites is, um, and I talk about him a lot, and he's dead, but his name's Charles Spurgeon. You've probably heard of him. He's called the Prince of Preachers. And I've, I studied him during seminary quite a bit. And one of my favorite biographical works of his life, I doubt he likes this, is called Spurgeon's Sorrows. He suffered from depression and anxiety all of his life until he died. There was times that Spurgeon, and he had thousands in his church in London, he wouldn't even show up to church. <laughs> like, must be nice. I'd get fired if I did that. Sorry, guys, I was sad today. You know, it wouldn't happen. But he, like, and I'm just saying, like, if someone said, well, it means you want, hey, Spurgeon was one of the greatest men of faith that's ever lived, and yet he suffered from depression and anxiety all of his life. I'm just saying, if that's you and you're, you're battling that, I mean, yet it's, the, it's not going to be you that stands up. It's not going to be your strength. It's not going to be your education. It is the power of Christ. And here's what I'm saying. He has the authority to, to, to completely cure you today. But if he chooses for whatever reason not to and it's still a struggle, you will not struggle with depression for eternity. There will come a day where it will end by the power and only the power of Christ, who is preeminent. Maybe it's uh, grief, loss of job, loss of a marriage, loss of a person, parent, sibling, a child. Maybe a lot of those things. And it's like, man, I feel like I'm drowning sometimes. That's how. That's normal. Right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying put on a plastic smile and say, oh, everything's okay. There is room for lament. There is room for sorrow. There is room for that, that, that weeping before Christ. But in the end, trust him. He asks you, do you want to be healed? Rise. Maybe it's addiction. For some of you, others know. You've been in, it, you've been in and out of rehabs. But for some of us, the hardest part it's when no one knows and you're battling, whether it's smoking or drugs or pills or alcohol or pornography, and it's eating you alive and you don't know what to do, and you have all the excuses in the world, and yet Jesus says, look to me. I have the power over addiction. Whether it's sickness or loneliness, whatever it might be, in your life, now or in the future, no matter how much the lie of the enemy is, it will never get better. That is a lie from hell. Jesus has the power and authority, and in the end, you will be healed by his power, by his authority. And I know, we want it to be today, don't we? When I read, isn't it a beautiful story when I read, and Paul says, there was a thorn in my flesh, and I prayed three times, and he didn't take it, and my grace is sufficient for me. I'm like, that is wonderful for Paul. (laughs) Not for me. But that's still the case. That's why it's so beautiful that it's in our scriptures, right? That, that, that there are times that Jesus, he could heal you like this, but he, he waits. He has his time, and that's hard for us. And yet we keep praying, we keep trusting, because he's preeminent. He's over all things. And by the power of Christ, you will, when you turn to him, you will rise. That's why we pray for each other. Some people are at different spots. Be patient. 
There's some, you're like, man, you really got to try, like, be patient. The Lord's working on us. It's a process. But you will rise if you trust him and him alone and his power and his authority. Stop making excuses and trust him and him alone. Let's pray. Lord, I know that um, there's many here who would confess that, and, and I'd be chief among them, that there's times that I really, really wish, really wish that I had more faith. That I know in my head you are authority over it, Jesus, but sometimes my heart, it's missing, and I confess that. I don't want that, and I pray you'd give me the faith and the strength to believe. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters who are with us this morning, that that whatever's going on or will go on in their life that threatens to drown them, that they would look to you and only you and know that nothing happens outside of your power and your authority, your love, your mercy, and your grace. That, Lord, that they would see, if they have to wait, if I have to wait, that your grace truly is sufficient, that your timing is sufficient, that you know when and how. Lord, save anyone here who's never turned to you, Jesus. They keep thinking the world has the answers, their intelligence, their friends, their family. Oh, Lord, show them that it's a dead end. If there's anyone here who was me, just the gospel just it was an obstacle for them. Show them that the gospel's the most beautiful story in the entire universe. It's you, God, loved them so much that you provided a way where there was no way, your only son. Show them that the gospel is not a, just exclusive, it's beautiful. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be smart or educated. You just have to have faith. Show us that, Lord. And would you save by your radical and amazing grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, would you stand with me and let's sing our hearts to God.